So have you heard anything about this case? Maybe. The Diatlov Pass. I don't How do you I say have... that word? So it's Diatlov Pass. All right, so let's get into it. So Diatlov Pass. And nine Soviet students died while on a hiking trip in the northern Ural Mountains between February 1st or February 2nd of 1959. So this is going to be an old case. Um, they died under extremely odd circumstances, and I can't wait for y'all to hear them because, and how they were found, how their bodies were, because it's just intriguing. It's very intriguing, and that's why, like, this case is one of my favorite and most this is like my magnus opum okay i love this magnum case. opus yeah magnum opus it's just a case that i really love going to research your, randomly your, uh, roman empire <laughs> my roman empire yes okay back up what opus magnum opium magnum opus magnum opus it's like my end all be all it is the most interesting your legacy my legacy case yes i just i just grandma this case is so intriguing if y'all have not heard this case i'm kind of shocked because this is one of the i might have but you possibly nine hikers go missing in soviet russia i just don't think i have that's okay it's totally fine um so the group was highly experienced with trekking and they were all students except for one guy. I'll get into him later. Um, but they're all students from the Ural Polytechnical Institute and were led by the most experienced of their group. And he is also the reason for the name of the case, Igor Dyatlov. So are they Russian? They like, are is all everyone Russian. Russian? Okay. Everyone is Russian students from this specific Yuri Polytechnical Institute. Gotcha. So the group And this is in Soviet Soviet, Soviet Russia, Russia the USSR in 1959. Or the USSR. 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 Mm-hmm. So the group was formed for a skiing epidemic. A skiing expedition, and it was to go across the northern Ural, the northern Urals in Sloglovsk, Obelisk, Soviet Union. I know I I put like a pronunciation thing. I don't know if that helped me at all. Just don't. Just do the best you can. Don't get don't yell at me. We don't speak that language. Okay, so according to prosecutors' documents, I'm gonna jump. past them being found um the tent of the expedition or well the name for the expedition was called the 21st congress of the communist party of soviet union this is something that they themselves the group named this trip (laughs) it's just a very long name but it's later known as just the diatlov pass incident so, the people's names. I'm going going to give first names right here in the hopes that it will be less confusing because I'm going to go over little snippets of everyone here because I felt it was important to, like, give them a little bit of humanity to them, you know, like, <clears throat> give them a feel of that they're human. 
because I don't want to just go in there and only talk about the incident, which is what I would love to do, but I'm not going to because things about them is very important. Like, you need to know how experienced hiking they are and how crazy it is that they all died. So the first guy, as we discussed, he is Igor Dyatlov. He's the only one I'm going to mention his name right now because I have mentioned it already. He is a 23-year-old engineering student. Then there is Yuri. He is, is wait, hold on, sorry. Is he the one leading yes, the expedition? Yes. So he is the leader of the expedition. And was he one was he a student as well? Yes. All of them are students. Did they all one man? Did they all know each other? They all knew each other. They were all kind of sort of friends. They okay. they were Okay, so I'll get into it later, but they're all a part of this um, it's basically like an outdoor group okay, for like people that are hiking. And so that's kind of how they knew each other. And we'll get into it. We'll get into it yeah. whenever I start talking about them. So then there is Yuri. Um, and he is 21. And then there's Layumida or Layumilda. Uh, she's 20 years old. Then there's Georgie. He's 23. Then there's Alexander, who is going to eventually be named as Sasha, um, 24. Rustim, who is 23. Nikolai, who is 23. And this man that I'm about to say, Simeon, he is 38 years old. He is not a student. And he actually got added later by... So the way that the system kind of works is they had to get this approved, like the whole expedition approved. And the expedition company that they went through suggested to them to add this man into the group. And he does get accepted. They, they let him join the group and he goes with them. He's an interesting character. I'll explain later. Um, so... Then there's also Yuri, another Yuri. So the first Yuri is Yuri Doshinko, and then the second one is Yuri Yudin. And Yuri is also 21, the same age as Yuri Doshinko, which is going to be kind of confusing. But I'll fix it later. <laughs> um, so Igor, like I said, was the leader. And because he set up the expedition, he also... He basically was going to be the leader, and most of the students, like we just discussed, are all members of this expedition group within the school, and there's about, so currently there's 10 members within this group that is going to go on this expedition. Um, one of them ends up not going, and he he makes it almost all the way there until the first day of the actual hiking experience. But then he had to turn around due to health issues. Um, I'll speak on him towards the end of the case. I mean, I do mention him uh, whenever I'm talking about, like, the lead up to what happened. But he will have his own moment towards the end. Um, and then, so every member of the expedition was a grade two hiker with ski tour experience. And once the expedition was over with, they all would have graduated to a grade eight, sorry, grade three, which is a certification that is the highest within the Soviet Union at the time. 
that you can acquire. Um, and basically, it just means that you have traversed 300 kilometers or 190 miles with no issues within mountain hiking, like within trekking. So they were extremely experienced. They knew what they were doing when they went hiking. Any questions about that? I know it's a little. I know it's a little. So they were all, all equally. Yeah, they were all the same. Like they were all in the same level. They were all on the same level of experience. And so this trek was trek was literally going to be the final trek before they all graduated to a level three certification for it. Um. So the route the group was to take was designed by Diatlov's group. So the group pretty much sat down together and created the the path that they wanted to take. And they wanted to reach the, the far northern regions and upper streams of Lazva River. The route was also approved by the City Route Commission on January 8th. 1959 for 10 people and now this is the same group that pretty much added that Simeon guy at the last minute so the goal like i said was to reach otterington a mountain 10 kilometers or 6.2 miles north of the site of the incident and it took place in February, during the most rough time to traverse weather-wise, there would be a lot of wind and a lot of snow. So the route is booked and was issued on January 23rd of 1959, and we're following the trail number five. So the group arrived in Ivdale by train in the early morning and then took a truck to Vizheim and then a, a lorry village and the last inhabited village to the north where they spent the night as well as bought loaves of bread to keep their energy up for the hike. And this is also where, um, oh sorry, never mind. So on January 27th, they left civilization and started their trek towards Gora Orton. Otorton. And one day in, like I said, Yuri Yudin, number 10 trekker, turned around for health reasons, some being pre-existing, pre-existing congenital heart defect and uh, rheumatism, which is a chronic pain, Ooh. chronic pain of the joints and connecting tissue. Um, and the remaining nine hikers continued on. So I'm going to pause. So I paused for a moment because I wanted to pull up some pictures of the group. I'm going to show you the last few moments. So this next picture that's a pop to pop up is a picture of the, this is them saying goodbye to Yuri Yudin. So this is Yuri so Yudin they, they and this finally, is Layumilda. Did they find these pictures like after they, 
Yeah, so there's like several cameras that are found. So this is some of the pictures. I'll let it play. This one is the camera for Xena. Or no, sorry. Xena doesn't have a camera. This is uh, Pervershenko's camera, which would be... I don't remember. I don't remember. It's Kurbashenko's camera. There's several different cameras. Um, two, three, four, five. So there's six cameras, and then there one of them is unknown who it actually belongs to. Um, and then there's some loose photos. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get into a lot of it. But um continuing on. So, like I said, diaries and cameras are found at their campsite and made it possible to track the group's route leading up to the actual incident. So January 31st, they arrive at the edge of Highland area and began to prepare for the uh, climbing, for the climbing portion of their trek. In Wooded Valley, they, they catched or hid, cached, cached, or hid a surplus of food and equipment that they would be using whenever they came back from the trip, like coming back down the mountains. The next day, on February 1st, this is when stuff goes down. February 1st, they start the start to move to through the pass, and it seems that they plan to get over the pass and make a camp on the opposite side but because of the weather that was worsening they ended up having a uh, decrease in visibility and there were snowstorms during this time as well so they lost their direction a little bit and they deviated west towards the Kulat cycle I don't know. They deviated west, pretty much. And once the mistake was noticed, the group decides to just set up camp rather than to move 0.93 miles downhill to a forest area that could have offered a little bit more shelter. Um, so Igor, this, I'm going to jump ahead now. Igor promised to send a telegram to the uni, or the basically his university, um, sports club, which is the club that I was talking about. Um, this is the club where eight of the nine members um, belong to, and the telegram would act as a message saying that they had made it back safely down, and it was to be sent on February 12th at the, I think that was for the latest that it would be sent. Um, but Igor said before leaving, it may be longer depending on weather. Oh, so it had been the earliest. So when February 12th came and went, it wasn't a huge concern yet that there was no telegram. But days ended up passing before more than probably should have um, without a telegram. So on February 20th, the relatives raised concern and requested a rescue team, and search began. On February 26th, the searchers found the group's abandoned 
and badly damaged tent. The campsite kind of baffled the party a little bit. The tent was torn down and covered in snow, and it was empty, and all of the group's belongings, shoes, they had, um, basically it was clothing that's designed to keep you, like, hot during really freezing cold temperatures, um, were left in there as well, and it said the students, for the student searchers, because there were searchers that were still, like, students, um, had actually been the ones to find the tent. So, basically, what I'm trying to say is, they left the tent in a hurry, and this was only doubled down when investigators said, um, hikers had actually cut through the tent. So, the tent was cut from the inside to the outside. So, they had escaped through the tent, or tried to. Um... Nine sets of footprints left by people with only a single sock or single shoe or barefoot even could be followed leading down to the edge of the woods on the opposite side of the pass. 1,600 feet after this, the tracks were covered in snow at the edge of the forest area. Remains were also found. There was a remains of a small fire, that is. Um, and were visible here, and were visible. Here is also where they found the first two bodies, and those bodies were Yuri Dushinko and Georgie, who was, who also went by Yuri, but I'm going to call him Georgie to make it a little less confusing. So, Georgie and Yuri were both found here. They were shoeless and only wore their underwear. So basically they were almost naked. Um, the Siberian pine that was right next to them um, is what they were, kind, they were kind of like underneath the tree pretty much. And the branches of this pine, Siberian pine tree, the lower branches were completely broken for five meters high. Um, suggesting that the hikers had tried to climb up and look for something, possibly trying to find their campsite. Um, between the pine tree and the camp, three more corpses, corpses were found. Those corpses are Igor, Alexander, who goes by Sasha, and Zenaida. They died in, pa in poses, suggesting that they were trying to make their way back to the tent. The closest of the three was about a thousand feet from the tent, and the furthest was 300 feet from the tree. And it was about two months before finding the final four hikers. So, uh, did the, the guy that didn't know very well maybe? I think I have heard this story. Do you think maybe he tried to kill him? Did they find like the body of one in a cabin? No. Maybe he was trying to You're kill thinking, you're thinking about that, um, it was like a group of, uh, people that were basically like, not, not slow, but like, oh, they had okay, mental yeah, yeah. issues, like they didn't, they just, I know what you're talking about. they were autistic, a lot of them. That's the one you're thinking of, and the guy was found <clears> in 
a cabin, a, like, not alive, but yeah. died recently. That one. And they found, like, evidence of where he had been living off of. Yeah. So, the final four are found on May 4th. Oh, sorry. So, found on May 4th under the search. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the final four are found two months later on, on May 4th underneath 13 feet of snow in a ravine 246 feet further in the woods. So, they had run further into the woods. Three of the four were better dressed than all the other bodies discovered. Um, this is actually, when whenever you think about the first two bodies that I mentioned, your Yudin and Georgie, um, it's believed that these three had actually taken their clothes off in the hopes of getting warmer because it was freezing outside. Yeah, when you're in the process of freezing to death, you get real warm. Yeah, that's... Well, no, 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 no. You're, you're missing... Opposite, opposite. I, don't argue with me. I know I'm right. <laughs> I know you're right on that, but no, it's they they were doing the opposite. They they took the clothes off of uh, Yuri Yudin and Georgie and put them on themselves so that way they would have better clothing on. Does that make sense? Like, they stripped their bodies after they had died and put their clothes okay. on top well, of yeah, their that, clothes. That okay. <laughs> they were not undressing because they were cold. They were trying. Well, either- Their friends had died and they took their clothes. Yeah. Which is, I mean, they were just trying to survive at that Yes. Point. So, one of these bodies is Layumila, uh, and the, which is one of the only two women on this expedition. Um, and basically I'll give you an example of them taking the clothes off of those two and putting them on themselves. So she was wearing Georgie's burned and torn trousers and her left foot and shin were wrapped in a torn jacket that was from one of the bodies. So now I'm going to kind of, I'm going to skip around a little bit because the next little bit on that page is talking about they're basically the authorities and what they have to say. So I'm going to go back a little bit and I'm going to talk about them as people and kind of give them a little bit more human characteristics for you. So let's talk about Igor first. Um, He was born January 13th, 1936 in the USSR. He was a fifth faculty or, yeah, he was a fifth faculty of radio engineer, and he designed and assembled a radio during his second year that was actually going to be used on this hike, and it was used. So it was basically like heater. Um, some, well, there was a radio, and then he also created a heater. Um, so the radio was used during this hike, and he was also super proud of his other invention which he had created for this hike in particular. It was called a small stove, but in reality, it's like a a mini heater that you could take and leave inside the tent. It was supposed to be kind of like top of the line. No one has this (laughs) because he made it. Um, The radio was kind of a rarity at this time because it was one of those that you could actually like pick up and take with you places. So it was basically a marvel for its time. 
And from his early days at UPI, he was heavily involved in mountaineering life, which is the club at the school that I was mentioning that most of these people are a part of. Um, he was also said to be uh, carrying out tasks, or, or he was said to be thorough, thorough, carrying out tasks and had a friendly attitude. Um, his last postcard read, today, the 26th, we, we leave in, on the route and we will, we arrived well. On February 12th to the 15th, I will go visit, uh, I, I can't pronounce it, but it's his hometown. Um, I will probably not go home, or not his hometown, it's like a town of his friends, or like back where the university is. He says, I will probably not go home, so let Rufa, which is his little sister, uh, bring Lennon to our room for a trip to Penza. From there, I will return on March 5th to the 7th. Greetings, Igor. So now we're going to talk about Yuri Doshinko, who is 21, um, born January 29th, 1938. And you're going to start noticing that a lot of these people are born in January. <laughs> it's like a thing. I don't know. Like half of them are in January. Um, in the So Yuri was born in the USSR. He was a fourth year student of the radio engineering in UPI. He was known for having an impulsive personality and was famous at the hiking club for having run directly at a bear with a geologist hammer while on a camping trip. He had prior to been dating Zena, who is one of the girls on this trip, but they had split mutually and stayed close friends with Zena and Igor. It's important to add Igor because there is belief that he is dating Zena now, that Yuri used to date her and now Igor is dating Zena. Um, he was the tallest in the group, Yuri that is, uh, and is sometimes pictured with glasses in the group or sorry, <laughs> it's pictured with glasses, and he came from a very poor family, typical, he was underdressed for the cold, typically, like, he didn't dress well for cold, cold sports. So now we're going to talk about Zena. Her name is Zenaida fully. Zenaida Komogorov. I'm not even going to, you know, her name is Zenaida, okay? Born January 12th, 1937. Another January birthday. I know. Literally half the group. <laughs> In the Wait, US January what? 12th. So she's born the 12th. Uh, Yuri is born the 29th, so he's a late January. And then Igor is a early January. He was born in 13th. Okay. <laughs> I know you're in. You're over there zodiacing it up, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So does does the term uh not much common sense? <laughs> well, if they're all born in January, then they're all either Aquarius or Capricorn. 
mm-hmm. is that daredevil or mm, not daredevil but they're Impulse. both of those signs are ruled by saturn so it doesn't surprise me that they would want to climb mountains like that yeah this outdoorsy types yeah well capricorn daredevil. capricorn is known as like the mountain they're like they're just gonna do whatever they need to do to I mean, to reach their goals. Listen, so. listen. And then Aquarius. Yuri Doshinko running at a black. It was a bear. Like, it was a brown bear. He ran at it with a little geologist That's hammer. That's big old. <laughs> and then Aquariuses are just weird. Okay. Your Three of your children are Aquariuses, by the way. My mother and her twin sister. They're just, they're like, they're kind of like not made, they're not of this earth kind of <laughs> in a weird way i can see that and you know what's funny is they're all aquariuses and i'm a leo and aquarius and leo are sister signs did you know that oh okay i don't believe any of that but go ahead that's fine you don't have to believe <laughs> it's it. interesting it's it interesting. is interesting mm-hmm. okay so zenaida born january 12th 1937 in the USSR. She was a 50 year. I'm sorry, every time you say that, all I hear is back in USSR. Back in the US. Back in the USSR. Okay, so she was a fifth year radio engineering major. So this was like what she decided she wanted to do. Um, She was a super experienced hiker. During one of her hiking trips, she was bitten by a viper. And refused. <laughs> I'm sorry. So none of them have a lot of sense. She refused to lighten her load and caused and caused any unnecessary hardships on any of her fellow hikers on the trip, despite the pain she was in. So she was like, "Nah, I'm gonna carry this 50 pound bag. It's gonna be 50 pounds. No one else needs to take my weight. I'm good." Was it She's a, a fighter. Poisonous. It had to be, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it was poisonous or not, but I do know that she's badass for it, okay? She said, nah, I'm gonna keep going. Pause. So, she was said to, I swear, she (laughs) at least I said pause. Yeah. Well, I just kept coughing. So, don't expose me. She was said to be outgoing and energetic. And people said that she was the engine of the university. And they spoke of how full of ideas she was. Plus, she had gotten a natural draw to herself. Like, she, like people just pulled towards her. And especially kids. She was always with Igor. But, like I said, whether they were actually a full-on couple is kind of up to debate in letters so like i said it's up to to debate on whether they were actually like a full-on couple but a lot of their letters to one another uh like from igor it wasn't any romantic aspect to them but igor kept a picture of her in his notebook and it's believed that zinaida or zina had a crush on him. Okay, so Lymilla, or Lyuda, which is probably what I'm going to call her, 
<laughs> she was born on May 12th, 1938. The Taurus. That's my girl. Yet another <laughs> Earth sign. That's your birthday, isn't it? May 12th. May 13th. May 13th. Almost, almost the same day. Um, she had the most horrific of the injuries, and she was also the youngest of the group. She was a fourth-year engineering and economics major. Are they all engineering majors? Majority of them, yes. Aquarius. There are a few that are not. Aquarius. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. We're, we're taught. I, I just can't help it. It's just funny to me. Okay. Majority of them are engineering. These next few I don't think are. I can't remember. But Aquarius she rules technology. One of them is a math major in here, if I remember correctly. But she her she is an engineering student, but her major is in economics. You don't think it's funny how all these people there's like a pattern there. No, it's very interesting. It is They're all very interesting people on their yeah. own. Like, I'm only mentioning like a few spurts about them. But they're still very interesting. So Sounds like they're smart and book smart. They were all very Well, we smart. don't know what happened. So, and I know that's what's, like, so interesting about the case. All of these are, like, extremely intelligent individuals, and somehow they just died so abnormally. Can we get into, I mean, I know you're going to get to it, but, like... So, what was so strange about the way they were found, like... Mostly how their bodies were found. And the most interesting part about this case is that the, the Soviet government and even the government of Russia to this day claims that they all died by hypothermia. But when I get to their injuries, so this, the, the lady that I just spoke about, Layumilda or Layuda, her injuries were so significant like, they were insane. So, the... To me, it sounds like an animal or something. No. This lady, uh, they said... Listen, listen to what I'm about to say. This lady, she had... Her injuries were so significant that the man that did her autopsy said... Basically, I'm gonna kind of quote it, quote unquote. It's like she was smushed. Like, her whole chest was just smushed. Like, her insides had gone to mush. That's how crazy her injuries were. And I think I think it was her... Some of them are missing eyeballs. There's one that's missing a tongue. Um, Can, I mean, that could all be explained by animals. Yeah. Yes. Those, or a human. Those could be explained by, by animals. But some other injuries are weird. I'll get into it. I just think the weirdest part about it is not like... Like, to me, I feel like all of that could be explained by a mixture of hypothermia and animal and, like, wildlife. But what I don't understand is how they got to that point. Like, That's they were so, the most intriguing part. They so, were so experienced yeah. in hiking and... 
how first of all like what kept you them see there? why it's my room in empire now. like like what <laughs> kept them what kept them from leaving like why weren't they able to leave like why were they there long enough to get hypothermia it doesn't make any sense like they shouldn't well there is also another theory that the government believes that it's an avalanche however the only thing with the avalanche theory is it there has never been an avalanche in this area since then, if it was actually an avalanche. Like, it's not occurred since. So, is that what, is that what the government says? The government says that it's... Originally, they said it was an avalanche. Couldn't an, an then avalanche they could backtracked have and some of those injuries as well. Yes, they could have. But they, they backtracked and said, no, it was just hypothermia. I, I don't want to fully ruin it. My personal belief, because I know I've got that outlandish theory that I've mentioned to y'all. My personal belief is that this is, this is government testing, like military testing. I'll get into it. We'll get there. But I think it's military testing. So, like I was saying, Laya Milda, she had the most worst of the injuries. She's the youngest of the group. She was four-year engineering and economics major. She was active in her school sports club. And she, on another hike or ski trek, she was accidentally shot in the leg, but she braved through her injuries and returned and received medical attention. And then there is Alexander Kolovatov. Doesn't matter. He was born in nineteen in nineteen thirty four on November sixteenth. He is a fifth child of six, and the only boy of his parents. Also went by Sasha. He had poor health as a boy, and he didn't really he didn't really go to school as a kid. And his sister, who became a famous teacher, took care of him and raised him. Uh, one of the, one of the Germans, sorry, raised him. And in 1941, the camp in Gulag, where, um, where his, where it became one of Germans' first camps, and it was one of the most horrible camps, but his family was at least able to have enough food because of this, because his dad was bleh. Uh, did I miss a part? Okay, basically his dad is part of the Nazis. I don't know how to explain it. I, I think I just missed like a line or something, like I didn't add something. His dad is part of the Nazi group. That was surrounding this camp area. And because of this, his family was able to obtain enough food to survive. A lot of the families in this area were actually dying because they weren't getting enough food. And, yeah. So, because of this, he actually knew German and English really well. And he was also experienced an experienced hiker. And at one point was part of the Moscow group, but later left for unknown reasons. So, Sasha was also, um, 
said to have celebrated his birthday on January 30th with the Dyatlov group. And he was presented a tangerine as his present, even though his birthday is November 6th. I have seen contradicting. Some people say his birthday is November 30th and or January 30th, and some say that it's November 16th. I don't know which one is correct. All I know is that it, they did celebrate as though it was his birthday. Okay. So, Yuri, or Georgie, was born on February 7th, 1935. He was a class, a close friend of Igor, and he took part in almost all of Igor's expeditions. He studied construction and hydraulics in UPS. Another one, thank you. Another one. <laughs> Another Aquarius. Another one. Another one. That's the best. No. <laughs> Another one. I, was I know, this is just, it's, it's like, everything about this case is just so, mm. So, anyways, he studied construction and hydraulics at UPI, um, and he graduated in 1957, so he had already finished his schooling, he was all done. He worked at a nuclear fa- facility and experienced a nuclear disaster um, on September 9th, 1957 at a plutonium plant experiencing a radiation leak during a cleanup he was he was sent to clean so he would have had trace radiation for the rest of his life and he was known as the group's gesture he always had a joke ready for anything and he when he wasn't cracking jokes he was playing his mandolin which had been brought on the trip and was left in the provision storage shed that the group had purchased in the town of Shurov. Which, this happened on January 24th. Um, at that same day that they had put away his mandolin, though, this is his funny story. Um, funny, but also scary, because why are you doing this, man? Um, so... The story involves Lyomilla and Georgie. So Georgie asked Lyomilla, um, the group's treasurer, and con- basically she kept all the money for everybody and made sure that they were good for money on the way there and the way back. Some she asked him, or he asked her for some money to be able to eat breakfast at a cafe, and she said they could not afford it. So he began singing loudly and police immediately (laughs) were notified and basically they approached the group and they noticed that Georgie had his hat off panhandling so he had his hat off and he was asking for money because he wanted to go and eat at this cafe um and he was taken to the police station Not for the panhandling, by the way. It was not because he was asking for money. It was because he was singing in public, which was forbidden in this town, unbeknownst to the group. But he was singing his favorite song called I Love You, Life. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting story. I felt the need to add it in. So, Rustim, born January 11th. Another one, 1936. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. 
a UPI graduate as well, so he had also finished no, off his that's school. That's actually a Capricorn, but yes, another one. Another one. I mean, like I said, they're like half of them were born in January, okay? So he was, like I said, a graduate. He was known for being athletic and honest and a and decent. He was a Russian he was Russian and his parents were professors in Asia and he was actually born in Asia and he was given an Asian name uh, and he too also played the mandolin. Nikolai was born June 5th, 1935, a Gemini. Finally something different. Um, there isn't much really to be spoken about him. He didn't have a, like, basically his family didn't really speak much to the media or anybody for that matter. Um, he was said to be diligent in his studies and, um, he was thoughtful and proactive and disciplined. That's all that really you could find about him. So now let's get into 38-year-old Simeon, who is also known as the Sasha, but we're going to just call him Simeon. Um, he was born February 2nd, 1921. He graduated from the Institute of Physical Education in Minsk. Another one. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. Minsk. <laughs> Minsk. M-I-N-S-K, in 1950. He was an instructor uh, at Korovka Tour Base at the time of his death. He was the oldest of the group, and he was asked to be on this group. He, at the time, asked the group to call him Sasha. I'm not going to call him that because I chose to call Alexander that, but I digress. He was known as Sasha. Um, well, I might call him Sasha later. We'll get to it. If, if I do call him that, I will change it to Simeon. Um, and that's the name that appears on most of his documents for the trip. And he was a part of the, gen of the uh, generations most affected by the Great Patriotic War. The draft of 1921 to 1922... It had about a 3% survival rate. Uh, and he was one of their survivors. Arm of the, he was in the armed forces from October 1941 to 1946 and became a cadet, a can, cadet, can, I don't know. candidate, I guess it's a candidate member, cadet member uh -huh. of the CPSU in 1944. He was a functionary of the battalion he was a member which joined after the war and he had four military awards and these are not fake awards like uh, somebody's awards Michael Peterson Michael Peterson I'm glad oh, someone Lord. I'll never forget that <laughs> these are real I'll awards Mr. Peterson earned, he earned these awards okay Michael Peterson for his military past, he earned these. And maybe a part of the events leading up to what later occurs. And he actually passed away 
on his birthday, which, so, during most of the expedition, he is 37. On the day of his death, he turned 38. Um, finally, there is Yuri Yudin, uh, the lone survivor. He was very ill and ended up turning back to... Wait, he survived? He is a survivor because he turned back. This is the man that turned around because of the, uh, rheumatism, rheumatism, and he had congenital heart disease. And shouldn't have been there. He, well, he had done many treks before. He is also a certified, like, I mean, like I said earlier, all of them are, uh, grade two hikers or trekkers, and so is he. It's just, for whatever reason, his his rheumatoid uh, just flared up right before. It was like his body telling him, Sir, you need to go home to your mother. Yeah. <laughs> go home. I, We're about to I want to check on the pres- pronunciation of that. Which one? Rheumat- rheumatism. Listen, it's it was spelled... Uh, you said something else, though. You said rheumatoid. I mean, I did say rheumatoid just now, but I assume it's rheum- it's rheumatism. Okay, it doesn't matter. It's rheumatism, so it has to be rheumatoid arthritis. <clears throat> I don't know. Anyways, um, like I said, <coughs> he's the lone survivor, um, and he was very ill and ended up turning back to go receive medical attention, and doing so actually saved his life. 